The Creatives with AI Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Creatives with AI Podcast. I'm your host, David. And on today's show, we have Richard Norton and Derek Ahmadzai from the digital agency, The Peeps. The Peeps is uh, it's an agency that helps you wow your audience using innovative marketing with creative AI, AR, Web3, and NFTs. The reason I wanted to have Norts and Derek on the show is because I saw Norts do a presentation a few weeks ago at an AI event and some of the stuff that the peeps are doing with AI and some of the and AR is really, really interesting and I thought people would be interested to hear about it. So here we go. The Creatives with AI Podcast, the spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. Norts. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks very much, David. Thanks very much. Pleasure. How are you guys? Are you, for those of people listening later, this is what, three days before Christmas or something? So I think everybody's focused on just trying to finish up the year and get their Christmas shopping done. Still haven't finished that yet. (laughs) Have you started? No. Fair enough. It's beautiful. It's uh, we've got like twelve inches of snow outside. There's reindeer walking <laughs> past the house. It's very beautiful. So if you, we, can, we can paint pictures, can't we? On a podcast, we can. that's the point. Paint pictures. Well, uh, this is exactly what I talked about on the on the on the podcast that came out this week. Is do we want AI to be a a, a mirror of society and the data that's actually out there, or do we want it to present a sort of fictitious version of things to try and nudge us into? to different behaviors and um so we can paint a picture of whatever we want that's that's just very very deep opening there david (laughs) very deep opening very existential start i feel quite reflective yeah i feel Mm. quite reflective lately um it might be good just to start off if, if you guys would just quickly introduce yourselves and then somebody give an introduction a little bit to the peeps and the kind of stuff that you've been doing i think because i think a lot of people listening would find it really interesting how you guys are using ai and ar and 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 web3 and some of the other technology in actual business every day and then we can start to expand from there well we got the tyranny haven't we david the tyranny of two of us who goes first where well, we have to set up a <laughs> we have to set up some sort of plan i reckon you should go first derek you should you should plow in set yourself all up. right bios and the peeps something like that so yeah there's the two of us i'm the kind of technical side Norts is the creative side my background is web development since like the year 2000 so always creativity you know using tools like flash and you know making fancy websites so i've always been interested in using technology in interesting ways to create you know exciting experiences and so that goes across web that goes across I had an interest in twitter bots for a time when they were a thing and then getting into creative ai early on just as a kind of a uh, fun outlet and then that's when I kind of, you know, met Norts. Well, not met Norts, but um, we go back further. But that's when we started working together. It's very succinct, okay. very succinct yes. Yep. Hi, I'm Norts, co-founder of The Peeps. My background is creative writing, advertising marketing. Basically, I started as a musician, a failed musician. Well, I was a session musician. Then I became a failed musician because I got to a certain age and I was neither, well, got played on radio once a couple of times, but neither famous nor dead. And so at a certain age, you have to quit music, <laughs> which I did. And found myself in advertising, in ad writing. So I kind of spent many years doing that. And like you do, if you stay around long enough that, that you, you sort of uh, learn your craft a bit, just purely by being around you, get kind of promoted don't you you just go up the ranks unless you're abysmal because if you're abysmal you get fired (laughs) don't you well you get fired as well in advertising that's part of the fun of it but yeah so that was that so I got to a certain point and then 
I'd met Derek working on basically social media, trying to hack social media maybe 10, 12 years ago. And because right. he was like Mr. Full Stack Dick, we'd said, there's a guy called Derek, you should get him in. And he worked on some projects with me as a freelancer then. So he kind of, he's, he was in my universe back then. And then the kind of AI thing started 2016. So we can come to talk about later how, how that happened. But essentially our goal, we've been in the space of advertising and marketing and communications, but also kind of art and experiential stuff since about 20, well, I know exactly since 2018. The basis being that we kind of want, we, we aim to help people isn't really about AI it's just about advertisers and marketeers should think about how they differentiate themselves with their audience that's kind of really important do things that are different to everybody else zig while others zag as somebody says not be that 90% which is crap be that 10% and we always thought well you do that by thinking about advertising that's creative that stimulates emotions because all advertising ultimately is about changing people's behaviors and you do that by putting them in an emotional state of whatever emotion that is and that's yeah. all well and good so you can craft that old school ways by like script writing and, and music and all those kind of things that go into make ads and marketing campaigns etc cetera, etc cetera. but we also kind of hit upon this idea well you can use ai to do that can't you in lots of ways it could be for efficiency and effectiveness so we kind of kick-started that five and a half six years six years ago now yeah we've got to this point now and that's been an interesting journey because six years ago what we could do for marketeers back then is very different to what we can do now yeah see what i mean purely on people didn't get it should they yeah people thought it was kind of a crazy move well, it probably was a crazy move back then, don't you think? I it, mean, was it was a crazy move. It was that idiotic. was like bleeding edge stuff back then. Yeah, it was. And it was quite funny because you like, I didn't mind it really. The first six months we set up didn't have any work. We did lots of stuff to kind of tell the world what this, this kind of new technology was. But back then, when it's like messing around with Google Colabs or say Markov chains, and look at me, Derek, and all technical uh, and stuff <laughs> like that. And the end results of what you created were always a bit, and if it was, whether it was text or it was visual, you certainly weren't animating. And if you wanted to do a deep fake, it would take you like about three weeks. But back then, and all the results you'd show people what you do were quite shonky <laughs> and janky. And the right, yeah, and the <laughs> yeah. and it'd be it was weird. Right? It's AI weirdness. That's what it used to be called, wasn't it? Oh my god, right. look at that. Mm. AI's made a seven-legged <laughs> cat, and people. Well, could, yeah. But but weirdly, we started getting work, and it's the kind of interesting thing about people. I don't like to use the word brave because it's a funny word to use in advertising. Oh, brave marketing, like brave's putting out a fire, isn't it? Whatever, you know, writing a daring copy line is just like just going a bit above and beyond but we found people who wanted to stand out like i said differentiated kind of moved into space primarily because nobody was doing anything with creative mm. ai back then so it was that classic yeah. trick of like i'm going to be the first to do that and we sort of found ourselves doing stuff where people would ask us to do it because no one had done it with ai so it was like oh the first this oh the first that oh the and we found this weird world where we, we kept pivoting. No, not pivoting, we, we were AI, but at one point people got really into us making cocktails for their events. So we became cocktail <laughs> right. creators. <laughs> okay. Then we became cake makers for a while because it was very easy to create recipes with food, mm. like take a neural network, of take a whole bunch of data about, I don't know, curries or cupcakes or cocktails. It's a nice lot of C's, isn't it? I just did yeah. that. Nice little <laughs> alliteration. And you could you could do stuff with that and you get really weird, interesting outputs. Then you So did you have it. AI make original recipes? Yeah, we did. And then we got um real real bakers to actually create the the cakes or 
Nice. You know, get the cocktails made. And what was your success rate in that? In terms of the fact that, oh, we would always be very keen on going for mega outputs. Right. Because I think that even today people don't get, and you hear it, we heard it when I was with you, Dave, in Tunbridge Wells. Yeah. At that time, we'll always have Tunbridge Wells. <laughs> you, you get that thing, you get that thing where people just assume that the output is just an AI thing and that's it. The AI's made this. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'll take it. And it's, it's never been that at any point in our existence. Mm. There's always a, it's a human AI or human machine learning collaboration. Yeah. So when we were making things like, you know, if you put in a data set of potential cupcake combinations, it's going to come out with an awful lot of shit, yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah. But the point yeah. of the matter, and the same with cocktails, cocktail names, I don't know, cocktail names can be staggeringly high proportion of good cocktails. But yeah, that's naming when you, is to be good at, yeah. Yeah, name is brilliant. And that's like, that's how we, <laughs> how we kind of got, and then like randomly, for example, we did that and somewhere along the line of communications, Deloitte heard about us. Suddenly we were making cocktails for Deloitte events <laughs> and it was like, Wow. Can't they? T- but the key to it is the fact that we would always get an expert, like an expert baker, an right. expert cocktail maker or a mixologist, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. bartender, etc., to kind of work with us to say that works well. No, it's not going to work. And what was kind of interesting, even back then, the learning for them, where you thought, oh, there is something about AI that, that can add value, was the fact that they were always they would always find combinations that they would never think of themselves. Right. Because they seem just too like, oh, that plus that. I'd never thought about that. But the acidity of that compared yeah. with the whatever quality of that works together well. And I suppose the culmination, the, the, the sort of peak, the zenith of our, of our sort of combining for food, drink, etc., recipes, flavors, etc., culminate probably when we devised the world's first AI gin. Okay. Oh, and that was interesting because that was something we kind of identified ourselves in. Like, can you believe all these people come to us for firsts, and no one's ever come to us and said because we'd made a lot of cocktails. No one's yeah. ever come to us and said, "Oh, the world's first AI gin," and it just didn't exist. And so we kind of hawked it around a few people. I won't say who we hawked it to, who kind of declined it. It's like the Beatles-Decker thing, you know? They had the chance, didn't they, Decker, to sign the Beatles? (laughs) Well, someone had the chance to do the AI gin before the people who did it, and they they declined it. But, yeah, so we ended up working with a a small distiller in Bristol to make the world's first AI gin, and we don't have to go into the bit. It's an interesting story, but what was interesting about the AI gin culmination the creation of it it was it wasn't so much that you were using machine learning to create the thing the core of the idea was giving someone who was a small distiller independent distiller who had interest in technology to punch well above their weight right in the kind of like their marketing so ultimately the culmination of it was they got coverage across the world for very right. little money because the thing went viral because guess what no one had made an ai gin yeah and back yeah. then that's a story isn't it all content 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 what was really interesting about when I saw you present as well is that a lot of people, I think when they talk about AI, even these days, it's all theoretical and nobody actually uses it. Whereas you just jumped in and dived in, you know, five, six, seven years ago and went, now we're just going to try this thing and we're going to see what we can actually make using it. And I love that. I think that's amazing. And, you know, yeah, it, it, it wasn't perfect, but people aren't perfect. Do you know what I mean? Bakers, when they're trying to come up with a new recipe, they don't get it right every time. Chefs don't get it right every time. They have to make it. You know, you watch MasterChef and some of those, you know, the chefs talk about we've worked on this dish for two years before we put it out. So 
it, it, in my mind, it's no different, but it's really, really interesting to hear, you know, sort of to hear how you've actually used it to, to actually make things. I know, would have, and again, I would have never thought of that either, but I'm, I don't particularly present myself as being massively creative. Yeah, when we started, there were other people doing kind of similar things like uh, pizza toppings or, <laughs> right. uh, you know, dress designs. Yeah. But often people would use the AI up to the step of having a text or a visual and then present that and then go yeah. no further. Yeah. But we like to actually make it, put that into the real world, like make get it the cake made, get the cocktail made. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, that's really where the story is. You know, we did um, a poem that was for poetry day a long time ago. We trained it on Sylvia Plath's poetry and got some text output. But then the really kind of interesting step was we got a robot handwriting tool to actually write it. Right, it was trained on a handwriting. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody <laughs> spoke, you know, actually present, you know, um, gave it, gave a reading. And right. That was the fun part. Yeah, that's cool. I used to be highly and deeply involved in the startup sort of industry because it really is its own industry here in the UK for a long time when I had my own startup. And one of the companies that we ran across was, it was literally a startup and they would handwrite cards for you. And, but their goal was to not have, like they physically had a team of people who would handwrite oh, wow. a card for you. <laughs> so you could say, I want a handwritten card to go like to wherever. And a physical person would actually write the card. Ascribe. <laughs> but they were like, we want to get to the point that we can just get a machine to do it. But they hadn't even worked that out yet. This was only, well, no, that was, that was a while back now. I guess that was 2014, mm-hmm. something back then. So, you know, but now we've all seen the, I think we've all seen the sort of TikTok videos or the or the Insta reel of the machine that's actually doing the handwriting of the kid's homework. So the kid basically goes to Chat, Chat GPT, asks it to write a paper, and then it actually does the handwriting Ooh. for you. So it looks like he's written it in his notebook. The teacher will never know <laughs> <laughs> until it's time for a test. Yeah. <laughs> One on. of the interesting things about the the plath poem comparing it with today like obviously with large language models you can pretty much uh, if you wanted to for want of a better term i don't say impersonate take the the aspects the kind of the the the, the essence of a poet i mean do it in seconds now, name any poet and you could create something that's like them it's quite funny because back then we very deliberately chose sylvia plath on the basis that sylvia plath's poetry is quite dense and right. esoteric and to be honest a bit like um what's his face um oh who wrote the um oh it doesn't matter start that bit again the fact of the matter was um oh no what's his name what's it? i'm gonna say it now uh who wrote cats but not cats it's the 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 um, oh, brain um, fade not Auden, not w. No. Auden. Oh. No, I can't remember either. He's a man, he's a man. This yeah. is never going to be in the cut. I hope this isn't the final cut. It's a disaster. Nah, we'll um, leave it in. It's fine. It's all natural. The, it's all natural. <laughs> no, I hope not. God. Um, yeah, anyway. The, I'll the look it up was, while you're talking. So you, you keep talking. Yeah, you do that. You do that. Uh, you know, it was he, the, the, the thing that's the very the greatest poem of the 20, 20th century, all about... Elliot? Yeah, T.S. Eliot. There it is. T.S. Eliot. There, there we go. Bloody Derek always comes through, doesn't he? Always Old comes Parsons through. Old Parsons' book of Practical Cats. Yeah, well, cats is rubbish, but the thing is, I think, beautiful. But the point of the matter is, I love Sylvia Plath's poems, right? I've always loved it. But to be honest, if you sit and think about what does it actually mean, I've got a clue. So taking her body of work, 
back then and in creating new poetry with it, it's quite interesting because it became, again, mm. a, a human task to kind of the outputs to decide... Because you could just take a block of the text and go, that's the poem. But we didn't do it like that. We did it yeah. as a sort of editing role to say, we've got like 10,000 lines of poetry here. That is that a beautiful line that sits with that beautiful line that sits with that beautiful line? And it was a very manual task mm. as a human with yeah. the output. Whereas now, I mean, you could still do the editing thing. It's just amazing that you just tap it on Roger Poem, like Sylvia Plath, blah, 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 blah. Boom, you got one come out. You might think, I'll tweak this, I'll tweak that. But I suppose the thing is that I want to convey is this fact that I do think there is a there is a perception in people that when you get AI involved, AI runs it or AI is the decision maker, but it's never the case. There's always yeah. a human who's either in the creative role, curating it, editing it, thinking yeah. about it, starting mm. it, finishing it. And that's kind of... Yeah, these important. are tools, aren't they? So tools. you direct them. Yeah. yeah. They are still tools. And I, th I think what people worry about is at what point do they start to do stuff on their own. And I, I do think we're quite a ways away from that on anything particularly creative. I think solving minor technical problems or technical problems, you know, I think might be the first things that AI will put their minds to, but who knows? <laughs> I have no idea what they might do. What do you think? So since you've been a practitioner using AI and you guys have been doing it for a long time, would it, where do you, what do you see as the most useful part of AI at the minute? And where do you think that's going to go in the next couple of years? Like, where do you see, where do you see the biggest gains we can make by using AI? Uh, well, I think for us, it's definitely the creative tools. And when you look at things like ChatGPT or large language models, it's often just to get you off that blank page. So the mm. biggest, biggest thing that it gives you is a kind of creative jump off. And the same with video and image tools. Yeah. Would you say that's right, Nortz? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure many people talk of, of, of large language models. Personally, uh, I've, and even this year, we've seen it in the work that we've been commissioned to do, the, the acceleration of the visual creative tools. And by that, uh, the kind of mid journeys, even Dali 3s, but then going into the runways where you can animate is the way I would have said that the start of the year when people come to us, oh, what would you use that for? You might say, well, think about creating a, a, a if you're presenting in advertising, you're doing a pitch and you want to create a mood piece, mm. you might use this to create the, the, you know, set it up, show people images. Because one of the great things in advertising and marketing you've, you, you notice is that the thing about they go, oh, we're going to have to show them something. People just can't visualise it. If they don't see it. Yeah. So you've got that ability. But what's kind of happened, again, with the onset and evolutionary tools is that you can now get to the point with human craft and editing, you can create pretty good content not that can be for, like, a presentation. But it's it's got to the point now where you can put it in the public domain. Mm. And... Again, it's that it's just the ability now, and like we, you know, there was the Mid Journey Six release yesterday, and you could just see the quality and those kind of upscaling tools right. as well. There's been a bunch. There's been you know two or three projects that we have have been tasked to do this year, and the way we've approached them on having that brief is different now to how it would have been at the start of the year, mm. and it's just making for a much more elegant. Me, yeah, I'm yeah. excited about that because I don't you know we're 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 at the foothills there of that kind of technology. Yeah. On the creative point, I have a question. I'm going to tie it into something that you said earlier yeah. where, and, and it, and it, 
about being daring. And it made me think of Elon Musk. And just bear with me for a second. But I don't, I don't think that any AI would have ever come up with Elon Musk telling his largest advertisers to fuck off. Um, in that a, was unexpected. In a live, <laughs> in, in a you know, in, in a live interview situation, and it was different. It was maybe if you know Elon Musk, it probably wasn't that unexpected. I think he probably has said that for a long time in private. And, are, you, you know, are you allowed to say on your podcast that he was probably on drugs at the time? <laughs> he may have been, or, or at least a lot of people on Twitter were saying that. <laughs> he may have, yeah, maybe, but he doesn't care. Right. That's no. the thing. And the whole point of it is, is that he's not going to be beholden to his advertisers no matter what. If somebody says, well, we're going to take our money away, he's like, well, fine, take it. I don't care. Right. So I get the point. Maybe, you know, but would I be brave enough to do that in my own business? Probably not. And most other businesses don't have enough money. Like he has the ultimate FU money, right? Like he can do literally whatever he wants, anytime he wants. And like he can just do it. It doesn't matter. So you know, he, he had the ability to do that, but that was something different and unexpected. And so when you were going back and talking about being brave and doing some of that, some of the things that aren't expected and some of the things that a traditional business wouldn't, because that's all it is, is, is everybody gets so worried. They're like, oh my God, what if people don't like it? And what if our, you know, if, if you're a, you know, if you're a, a newspaper or you're a company and you go, well, what if, you know, what if our customers don't like it and, and they're going to take their money away? And it's because you're all tied up in this, you know, you've got shares and investors and you have all these people to worry about. And, you know, you 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 just feel constrained, like you don't want to take the risk because you don't want it to go wrong. Nobody ever thinks about, you know, what one of the things a, a, a lady said to me, and I've said this a couple of times on the pod, told this story a, a couple of times already, is she's the head of innovation for the army. And she said, you know, when you look at projects, you need to prepare for catastrophic success. And no one ever prepares for catastrophic success. They always prepare for what happens if it goes wrong, but nobody ever prepares for what if it's wildly successful. And so, Derek, your comment where you were talking about using AI for creativity, I totally understand what you mean. Like, And, and I use it that way a lot as well. But what I think it misses is it misses those total wildcard moments where it would never say, you know, if you said, give me a few lines to use in this, you know, interview, and if he asked me about advertisers on the platform, it would never say, tell Disney to fuck off. Like it just, that just, it wouldn't come out with that because the way AI works is it's always just a little bit off of the average, right? So it's always taking the most likely thing and then it says, oh, but we'll be just a little bit random and we'll just say something slightly different. So you always end up in that, you know, in at the at almost at the very top of the bell curve, and you never get on on the edges. And I th- that's that's true. Yeah. yeah. Although that's because these current generation of the kind of publicly available, you know, commercial models are aimed at that kind of content. Before, when we were using, you know, training our own models, and you could kind of dial up the the randomness, the crazy. dial up the temperature. So then. <laughs> it might well come up with something that's very unexpected. Wasn't um, there that Microsoft bot? Remember right at the outset, was it Tay? Tay that, went, that became that racist off. very quickly, yes. <laughs> because they just let it learn from what people were oh, yeah. telling it on the internet. So, oh, yeah. yeah um, that was pretty crazy. It ended up pretty crazy. You need balances. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had to take that down, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then that's because they didn't consider the downsides or how it would be misused. And that, I think a lot of people don't. Yeah. 
And I think there are a lot. And I don't think people realize, and I, even I probably don't realize how much of that stuff gets filtered out. And probably most of the work that OpenAI and all these companies do is actually filtering out all of that stuff. It's moderation. It's content moderation, just like you would do anywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Like it comes out with random content and you have to go, yeah, no, you can't say that. So it's interesting to go back to on something that you said as well, which again, I think I have an idea that I think when we reach this AGI point that it's going to be a federated model. And we're going to have a bunch of very specially narrow AI models that have been trained to do one or two specialist things. But that the, the controller AI that sits across the top is going to have the AGI because it's just going to go and it's going to get information from wherever it needs to go. But I I wanted to just pull on that thread of what you were saying because it's, the, it's those specially trained AIs that are going to be potentially super powerful for businesses, isn't it? Yeah, but then again, they're still... A niche in the sense that they're in that space. Mm. I mean, I'm not. I don't know about the AGI stuff. I kind of personally feel that's a little bit sci-fi and a long way off. Whereas we're talking about very, although we say AI is this kind of massive, big, broad term, covers so many different things. Yeah. Whether it's like you know, a, a way to fill stuff in Photoshop, or whether it's uh, transcribing audio, or there's so many you know, million different tools and use cases, um, but they're all very separate. Mm. I don't know if that kind of I probably went a little bit away from what you're asking there. That's right. But we're, I think, we're just I chatting. Think we're, in, in the here and the now, <laughs> yeah, we're using lots of small tools, yeah. putting them together you know, to kind of achieve whatever you know, individual goals that we have. But I think the AGI stuff is probably a bit, a bit of a kind of distraction from that yeah i use the analogy like the way that we work with this, this the whole bunch of generative ai tools now it's a bit like putting a band together or trying to create a piece of music and it, you put the different instruments in a in the group together and sometimes just because we might bring a harpsichord in right which is an unexpected or a euphonium yeah. Yeah. or some other <laughs> and that kind of makes it a little bit stranger because ultimately, mm. there's two interesting points you, you've raised, Dave. Is on the one hand, it is this thing about trying to be different, and so you try. You can be different in terms of the creative output of AI by doing sort of different things, trying to hack your way to do things that maybe others aren't thinking. But going back to what you're saying, is that the the actual concerns that people have in marketing about um, where they think. Oh, what if it goes wrong? As opposed to what if it goes right? Yeah, is a kind of as old as as old as human humankind, isn't it? And that is still the concern. So whether it's a, a, I would have had that same problem if I were presenting an, a concept for a for a campaign twenty years ago, long before any of this. The same fear. Oh, what if, the classic thing where you go in with three ideas to the pitch. There's the one that's really out there, yeah. probably the one that answers the brief and the safe one. Yeah, right. And people love that because. That's how it is. And it's probably no different in terms of what you present with the AI. Because mm. as you say, people are concerned. If they've got a budget and they're thinking about their reputation, not thinking, fuck it, oh, I've sworn, never mind. Uh, they think, we'll just get it out there and see what happens. That's a rare. There are there, We have encountered clients who are like that. Yeah. And we love them who just like, I don't care about the consequences. I want the, I don't know if it's the fame or the notoriety or the, the, the virality. Right. But, you know, in our experience, that's that's probably 2% of everybody we ever encounter. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That's loosened up a lot with social media. I think some companies have, have you know, back before X was X and it was Twitter and kind of in the in the height, the golden age of Twitter before everything started to go a bit wrong. You know, there was some there's some amazing social media accounts and stuff that were run. You know, Wendy's in the US was was a classic example of that where they basically just said, do whatever you want. Obviously, it was within reason, but, you know, a lot of people, Ryanair, I mean, uh, you know, EasyJet, a lot of them are, are quite serious most of the time, but then they also have a lot of fun with their social accounts as well. And I think that's something that's probably new in the in the grand scheme of things, in the sort of PR type world, right? Like I, I would think before, you know, maybe the 2010s or something, everybody was was a lot more cautious, except in those instances, North, where you were saying, you know, they, they wanted to go out, they want an award-winning campaign. They want to go out and, cre- you know, create a buzz and they want to, to do that. And, you know, I don't know, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like it's slightly different, but yeah, the same at the same time. And I, I suppose you also think, again, it steps away from technology and creative technology and AI, but... Obviously, all tools, social media is the same as, as, as creative AI tools. This fact that there's this democratization. So obviously, social media is full of people who are expressing something about their personality or they want to be influencers, etc. And the same applies. 90% of that will be crap. 10% will be good. But I suppose the thing is, it's quite difficult for brands to take on personalities very often because, like they say... People don't necessarily want to dialogue with a toilet roll brand, do they? Exactly. <laughs> they just yeah. want toilet roll. No one cares. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so you have to have a – exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. why are you doing that? I think you do have to be in a certain a certain strata of selling to mm. be able to have a, a personality that works for the brand you're in. Yeah. Like if you're a sport, if you're Nike, you can be about like daring and all these whatever the the pillars of of Nike are or yeah. Adidas, whosoever. Yeah. But if you're a bit more utilitarian, I mean, you very rarely see exciting work do you come out of the kind of utilities world, do you? No, because kind of like that's about a price thing, isn't it? Doesn't mean they couldn't. No, of course they probably not. Of course could not. if they. But it's not the type of it's not the type of person who works in that industry either. It, you know, doesn't push the boundaries. I mean, I guess the good example is is um, Red Bull, right? Red Bull never advertises Red Bull. You hardly ever see a can. Like, Red Bull gives you wings, and they may have a little picture of a can at the very end, but all their social media, all the everything, it you never see them talking about how good of a drink it is, what it does, like, what's in it, you know, what the pride, like, they don't do any of that. It's all aspirational, like, look at people who drink Red Bull do this really cool stuff. And, you know, it's like, this is the life you have if you drink Red Bull, I guess. And, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's amazing and people love it. And it works really, really well. I think what's interesting, though, about AI tools, I mean, we, we, we can look at it and we can talk about it, about the creative advantage it can give you by using mm. these tools and you can do things that are different. But I think what's different, certainly from this year and certainly at the tail end of this year, with the conversations we've had with the kind of, ad agencies or direct with brands or PR companies that we might work with is that the fact that people are realizing that the actual tools, if you don't start working in a creative realm with AI tools, you're, it's not about you're going to be left behind. You're going to be outmoded and you're going to be outperformed yeah. by somebody else. Yeah. And you're going to be outcosted if that's even a word, but yep. I know what I mean. Yeah. Because if you're not using them and someone else is using them, they're going to, 
beat you. And it's, you know, that's the whole point. It's a competitive world, yeah. isn't it? It's dog eat dog. And that's that's different. It's not simply about the judgments being made on how creative your idea, how brave, how emotionally arousing yeah. it is. It's actually, if I don't use this, someone's going to create something that's like, I don't know, they can do it four times faster yeah. for 10 times less. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes a much more commercial thing. Yeah. Did we, when we were together, did we talk about, um, I know a guy who runs a digital agency who does like TV commercials and, and, and sort of like video ads. And he was saying to me a while back, and, and I hope to get him on the show at some point. We've talked about it, but we've just never got anything in the diary. But anyway, he was saying that, you know, it used to be if somebody came and wanted to do an ad, they might film five different versions of an ad and they might have, you know, two models and a couple of changes of clothes and, you know, maybe a couple of different color backgrounds or whatever. And they would, you know, they, they do a day, they'd record, you know, those five versions, they'd produce them, have them ready to go. And then they could target those five ads. And he's like, now he's like, I can create 10,000 ads in hours for the same price. And I can, we can target those ads to any tiny little, you know, tiny little niche that you want to go in. We can do any skin color. We can do any race. We can do any hair. We can do any style. We can do any color. We can do anything, any combination of the above for basically the, you know, actually for probably less money than, than they would have charged to, you know, to do a couple of days of filming and, and have everybody in a room together. Mm. And that's exactly proving your point. And I think, you know, for working professionals, in industries, I think this is where it's going to make a huge difference. You know, I, I think about I think about session musicians. I think, you know, they're a huge part of the music industry is being creative. And, you know, it's Adele writing a song because her heart is broken. And you, I don't think AI will come close to doing that anytime soon. But if I need a jingle for a show for a podcast or, or, you know, a little 10 second piece of music that I can put on the beginning of a show that used to be a human that created that and then would put it up and would sell it and would get a okay, small, but would get a royalty from that. Now, no one gets anything from that because it's all done via AI. And mm. it's oddly, it's those people who used to do that stuff, who used to grind, you know, to use the gamer term. They just, they were grinding out content constantly, these little bits and pieces. But all of that work is going to go away. And you're absolutely right. You know, that's that's where those sort of economies of scale are going to come in. That's where reducing the cost, making the employees more efficient and all that sort of thing is, is going to feed in. But do you think with all that, so all that being said, do you think that that's just going to make the human more important for the tasks that humans do yeah because they'll be curating the the kind of the best quality output um it's a, it's a little bit of a tangent but what you kind of just described with the musicians it's kind of a little bit like what we've seen with um web building and design over yeah. the past decade or so you know people used to go to you know hire agencies or freelancers to build and design small websites uh, you know, bespoke, but now yeah. you just go to Wix or Squarespace and yeah. they just kind of completely, that market really doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So now everyone who was doing that is now working on a kind of different level or a different style of uh, of uh, design and building. So I don't think the human will be disappeared out of that situation, mm. but there will be something else that they can do that the computer still can't do. And that becomes more important because that then gives you an edge. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think it's important to bear in mind, all you marketeers and advertising people who are listening and PR types and anybody, small business, is that regardless of how you execute your idea, whether it's with like uh, two models or 10,000 models and 246 languages, what's got to be right at the start is it's got to be, and people do forget this, as as most, most, uh, mostly evidenced by creativity in marketing advertising, it does have to be start with an actual good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The idea, yeah. the AI isn't the idea, or the execution of the idea isn't the idea. The idea is the idea. So make it re- as good as it can be, and then use all the tools at your disposal, human or machine, to make it a beautiful, profound thing. And to execute. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, that's great advice, actually. And that's, again, I think that's getting back to, uh, it's, it's, it's said much more eloquently than I've said it in the past. But yeah, I think that's where the human still sits at the top. And I think somebody asked me the other day, they said, oh, well, you know, do you think AI is going to take over things like, you know, photography competition? I'm like, no, what we'll see is we'll see a different competition. So instead we'll have, We'll still have, you know, photography competition, but it'll be for actual photo, you know, it'll be for real photographers, human photographers, but then we'll have an AI photography contest. And I think that's where that'll be really cool to see the results of that as well. And I don't, I don't know if anybody's done one yet. I kind of feel like if no one's done one, that maybe I should do one just for fun and kind of see see what we could get. Start with the Tunbridge Wells environs. <laughs> <laughs> they brought that to Kent. And UK, beyond. just do it for the UK and see what we can get. But well, there was, wasn't there? A couple of years ago, there was like example. There was a Eurovision. There was an AR Eurovision song contest. Was there? Maybe started about four years ago. Yeah, it's, oh, it's right. been going for four years. Because actually, one of our associates uh, entered last year. Oh, they tried to get the UK. They tried to get the UK um, right. version. But that's just an interesting thing okay. again. Yeah, it's yeah. like there's a human. Eurovision Song Contest, which is obviously massive these days, isn't it? Yeah. And seems to straddle Australia as well, which is kind of puzzling. But <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> it doesn't matter where the geographical parameters, where the lines are drawn, it's irrelevant. But yeah, that's so again, it's a logical thing. Get get the kind of co. Again, it's not a machine-written song, is it? It's a co-created yeah. with humans and machines. The first one, there were. Funnily enough, you were saying about tools. We were where we've been. We've been making this advent calendar for Christmas just putting up different things every day and we've been using different combinations of tools and we did initially think we were just going to put up highlights of our year right that, that's the kind of lazy boy version of doing it but <laughs> yeah. actually as we started I think we may have done one highlight of the year we found ourselves making things that are apropos to Christmas and we've been randomly mixing strange tools together that you don't and again it's kind of been quite fun because it's gone back to the janky but one of the things the other day we found this um AI tool that they could remind you what it was called where you could basically just type in the type of song you wanted mm. and it would generate the lyrics the voice the musicality of it all wow. so we found ourselves writing songs <laughs> all sorts of strange shit do you remember what that well, was called? Su- yeah it's suno s-u-n-o dot a-i cool and uh, it gives you like you know like it's a, a discord isn't it it's a discord favourite yeah it is yeah um, yeah my favourite yeah and you just type in, yeah, I want a, a pop song about the Christmas market in Brighton. Okay. I'll do that for you. Cool. I'll put it in the show so notes for everybody want- if they want to go play with it. So, 
Yes. You could be writing the, a, a Christmas in Tunbridge Wells song. But it's, it was, I was amazed because we, we messed around with one. Derek did one, which was Derek, one of Derek's obsessions is K-pop, right? It's like a K-pop Christmas London. So we made a bunch of images <laughs> around it. But I, I'm, I'm doing a talk next month in um, Bournemouth and it's at the university. I found myself writing a song about how joyous it is to be at Bournemouth University. And this song came yeah. out and it was like, oh, that's pretty catchy. <laughs> Lily worm, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, yes. And you think, well, okay. And we're only using it as sort of a fun viral right. snippet, but mm. for a piece of content. Yeah, it's not going to compete with a no. real song created by a real producer, but... Um, no. Yeah, as... You might steal a line of melody, though, Derek. It might, yeah. yeah. Steal it. Did you, see the, did you see the news that came out? Well, at least I only saw it yesterday or maybe the day before, but basically saying that that the UK Supreme Court had said that you can't copyright anything that's created by AI, which just matches what they've said in the US as well. So if, if, if anything's got any AI in it, then you can't copyright that. So that's also going to be really interesting because it's going to mean that anything that's created with AI is totally free use for anyone. So if you do make that, you know, if anybody makes those fun songs or anything like that, there's uh-huh. it, just anybody can pick it up and use it and you don't really have to worry about that. And um, that's going to be an interesting wrinkle, I think, as well. Yeah, very kind of open source content uh, yeah. environment. But when when you say created with AI, you can't copyright it. Is that completely created, or if there's human input, does that mean that it is protected? I think it's. I, I think if it's got any AI in it, that it's not copyrightable. I think. Um, I haven't read it. I literally only saw. I, I saw the news. I think yesterday or day before and um i just shared the article on on linkedin but i haven't had a chance to actually go read the to read the actual document i know in the u.s the way it works this this came off of the case with the there was a lady who wrote a graphic novel and she used ai and she used mid-journey to create the imagery for it and then she submitted it because in the u.s you have to apply for copyright you don't get it by default like Uh you do here but in the u.s she applied and they d- denied it because they said you used AI to create this work. She then took them to court and said, well, we should be able to copyright the story and the words, just not the art. And so they basically stepped back and said, okay, you can copyright part of it, but not all of it. So, but I don't know how the UK one is, I don't know how the UK one is written. So. I suppose it has to be a bit like that, doesn't it? Because. Yeah. These things are such, you know, they're black boxes in terms of they don't want to tell you what it's trained on because yeah. they don't want to admit that it's trained on content that they don't have the, the rights to do that. Yeah. So, and also then what comes out may well infringe on someone else's well, the, work, even if you don't yeah. know. The, I think the tricky part of that is going to be if, if you get someone like Elon Musk, who just to be difficult... <laughs> it's gonna because his whole idea was is that it should be open to everybody right so if you get somebody right. with like elon musk who has tons of money and says i'm not going to charge anybody to use this it's free it's a free use tool you can use it for research and and whatever then he technically would be within fair use because it's for education and as long as you're not using it to make money then that would fall under free use. So he could actually use everything under free use if he gave it away. It's only when they start to charge for it, I think. That's his grok.ai yeah. thing, is it? I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. So <laughs> don't take any of my yeah. thing as, as actual legal advice, yeah? But that's my understanding anyway. So 
you know, if somebody comes along and does something like that, then that, mm-hmm. the, then the law gets really, really gray. You know, I don't know. It just feels like eventually we're, there's going to be so much AI content that everybody will be able to reuse for everything else. And it might have some human, you know, it's all going to have human parts in it as well. And it's all just going to get really, really messy. Really messy. I mean, we're kind of seeing that now, aren't we? Like there's whole websites just AI generated just yeah. to game Google and get to the top of the results. Yeah. And if you read it, they're just awful. Yeah. But they're not made, you know, they don't care about the human reading it. Yeah, they yeah. just care about gaming the search engine and that's going to happen with there's always someone coming along ruining it for everybody always Always. Always. that's people that's just people here's my favorite one what's your opinion on all these um on on all the faceless videos on youtube faceless yeah so they're they're i don't know maybe you haven't seen them but they're auto created so it's pretty much an ai script that's been fed into a tool that then does an ai voice on top of it and then it creates a a video off the back of it and they're generally they're like training videos on here's how to put oh, yeah. this you know here's how to enter this here's how to do a a, a chart in excel and it's mm-hmm. none of it's real you it's so obvious it's like terrible and they use like the tiktok voice don't yeah, they and or it's just the it's kind of, flooded yeah. youtube mm-hmm. and you know because i'm I'm now trying to, you know, I was saying to, the, to to you guys earlier, I've set up a home studio and I've got a better camera. So, you know, hopefully people that are watching this will go, wow, okay, the quality is a lot better than the camera that it used to have. But but I'm trying to learn how to do video editing and, and how to improve my skills around all that stuff. So I'm, I'm constantly looking for stuff, new training, how to do this, how to do that, how do you make this like that? And all these videos have just started coming up and coming mm. up and coming up. And I'm just like, this is the, this is the net effect of, of AI because you know you go on Twitter and you see all these people going hey you can make $5000 a month if you just create 500,000 YouTube videos and and you're just like oh my god please stop <laughs> so yes, yeah. Yeah, I uh, since you sort of didn't even know what I was talking about I'm assuming that you no, uh, we could, I, I, don't I, come I, across them that often I, I know what you mean I just didn't uh, know right. it with, with as that term yeah. and yeah they are they're just flooding we thought flooding you meant creating faceless video people with no faces I was thinking, that's what, ter- I was, <laughs> what terrifying trend is that <laughs> like a Doctor Who a Doctor Who alien that's what yeah, I was yeah. imagining oh yeah you get a lot of that on uh, Instagram as well yeah you get that, 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 those voices come up but again so I think this refers back to this refers back to what we've talked about earlier the it never goes it's never wrong the sturgeon's law the sturgeon's rule as they call it of 90 percent of everything crap so it just means now that 90 yeah, percent yeah. it's probably just pushing up the um the 90 percent up maybe it's to 92 93 percent because mm. yeah again there's no there's no thought behind it and people yeah. just think ai voice ai writing ai video i've made some content yeah. no what you've um, done is you've made a digital pig you've made with spam lipstick. you've made spam exactly yeah, yeah. Video spam. And, and at crap. some point at some point the platforms will identify that and demonetize it so it'll be less but it's an arms race isn't it it's yeah. always well spotify did that with all those sort of asmr accounts and stuff like that where people were just creating yeah. you know two hour long bits of noise that wasn't actually a song mm-hmm. it was just you know random sounds that people could pick up and listen to which or they could listen overnight and then they would yeah. get royalties and, the, and on they that. would get yeah. royalties on it and so you know spotify stepped in and done something i i don't i don't disagree with that and i think nort's probably as a as an ex-musician you probably agree with that as well i think somebody who goes to you know 
makes the effort to create something that's more than just a sound that someone's meant to listen to overnight. I, I think that deserves more of a more of a payment than than the other. I think you know, and and again, I think you're getting the same stuff with YouTube. I was talking to someone yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have come across this either, but he said something that's becoming popular on YouTube is like what happens is people working from home just turn on the TV in the background and because they have smart TVs, they can see YouTube. And so what they do is like you'll get people sitting at home and they'll put something on like someone playing golf. But what they do is it's like someone with a GoPro camera who just records themselves playing around a golf and then they put the whole <laughs> video on YouTube and then people who like golf will just put it on in the background. So it's almost like they're there with their mates sort of playing around a golf and it very niche TV channels but it's, for like yeah. an audience of one. Yeah, yeah. But it's but it's not though, because loads of people are watching them because they just want mm. something on in the background right while they're working. And imagine that you're playing at St Andrews. Someone's playing the course at St Andrews. It's yeah. almost like uh, yeah. it's like cheap VR, yeah. isn't it? Well it, <laughs> it's, it's like or expensive the, um, VR. The, 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 the channel was it like lo fi hip hop beats to study and relax yeah. to that kind of love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hugely popular because for it. that same reason, yeah. you know, people put that in the background. But that's music. That's COVID. like putting on a CD. And for me, I don't know. Yeah. For me, that feels different than, you know, if I've got a, I've got a TV on and I'm watching someone play mm. around a golf with no commentary. Well, it's that's... literally just, you know, this guy walking around playing around a golf with his mates <laughs> or by himself. Like, and I'm just like, wow. So anybody can put up any sort of content <laughs> and people are watching it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's crazy so right that sort of gets me we're, we're kind of 52 minutes in now or 50 minutes in so uh, um I don't well, there's wanna... a lot of deadwood there Dave. a lot of deadwood that's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all good it's all good it's all good stuff. three days before christmas i'm surprised it made me think of something you said a minute ago oh it was derek talking about um something but it made me think of you know what we should have done is we should have like got some malt wine or some like I don't know Irish coffees or something to start with. There's a whole well, we're available in the morning. Yeah, in the morning. Yeah. There's a whole podcast that's um, it's drunk women solving crime, and they basically there's like three ladies and they get together and they just drink loads of women and they talk you know so it's like this true crime kind of podcast and they have guests on and they just get absolutely hammered and it's hilarious and it's one of like the top rated. Um, show so I keep thinking maybe I'm missing a trick maybe I need to like instead of coffee or tea in the afternoon yeah. maybe I need to have like you know like a proper drink or something and uh that's been one of your channels couldn't it the drunk AI channel <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah drunk profound discussions about drunk men solving learning. AI <laughs> yeah fueled by vodka <laughs> something um right so crystal ball time like what we we've mentioned su sumo Sumo? Sudo? Suno. Suno. Sun we mentioned Suno. I think it's um, Suno, yeah. What other cool tools are out there that you think people may not have seen or or what are you like if you had to sit and experiment with something over the holidays, what's like your your most exciting thing that you think, okay, I'm gonna take a few days just to figure this tool out? Is there anything that uh, jumps out at you? Or? Oh uh, well for me personally, because it has so much flexibility and so much potential to uh, apply one's human cinematic desire to be Alfred Hitchcock okay. or Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I love using 
the kind of runway runway ML tools, uh, specifically uh, Gen 1 and Gen 2, because they've now had these kind of upgrades throughout the year where the animation you're creating you can do so much more in terms of bringing it to life. Okay. And it's not a case of like, okay, I'll paint that little corner of it over there and maybe that'll make a cloud move. And I'll just pan the camera there to try and replicate this kind of cin cinematic kind of classic uh, camera uh, move. But the fact of the matter is there's no precision. Right? So you've got to actually, you've got to use the tools over and over to get used to the shot that you right. have to work out what you're trying to create. So again, it's like, it's a, it's a really great example of it's a tool and you could just use it to bang out a shot, a shot, a shot, a shot. But actually, if you think about if I'm going to do a camera spin, I'm going to do a tilt, mm. I'm going to do a zoom, I'm going to do a pan, I'm going to create a little bit of motion here and there's going to be a little bit of motion there. Yeah. I don't know I'm drawing that on. I suppose <laughs> people can see me drawing things on the screen. So you can basically yeah, yeah. bring the thing to life. And again, if you're using... A pre like this sort of workflow of tools, like you've created something that's hyper realistic imagery on Mid Journey or other visual tools are available, <laughs> uh, visual AI models. Uh, that would be the one because there's no way that you're going to be good at it from like a couple of hours, right? You've got to keep using yeah. it, and then it becomes a real uh, art. And this is why I think people will will create work for themselves where they think oh I've lost I've lost it if you're good at storytelling if you're good at crafting photography in a way that can sort of resonate emotionally if you're good at video camera work and framing and understanding how that shot leads to that shot leads to that shot which builds a dramatic tension runways to kitty because you can just do that whole thing i'm sure others have you can do all of that in that realm and that is you know the christmas holiday you need a year of it and it's just brilliant and beautiful because you could just do so much with it cool and they're innovating so quickly as well i'm not mm. and not just them but everyone like a year ago chat gpt had only well, just yeah. been released and these yeah, visual yeah. tools were not as powerful as they are now no, and I, yeah and i know you know it's changing every day there is a website called There's an AI for that, which I would highly... Yeah, we love that. We tell everyone to look at that. That's brilliant, yeah. And again, I'll put, I'll mm -hmm. put a whole list of resources of all that stuff in the, in the show notes for people if you just yeah. want to be lazy and go click on it. So what about you, Derek? What's, what sort of cool thing are you looking to play with or are you excited about? Yeah, so um, I think I, because I crave novelty, it's probably not like one specific thing. Like, I mean, the thing I've used most over the last year it's probably mid journey. Yeah. I use that quite a lot just for just kind of fun, personal creativity or for like creating like, I don't know, blog post headers and things like that. But what I'm really interested in is seeing all these new tools released. So, I mean, there's an open source platform called Hugging yep. Face, which is, they describe themselves as like the GitHub of AI. AI and everything is there, like every model or tool. And they have lots of interactive spaces. So people put up, you know they're kind of cutting edge things and so it's very fun to go and play around with like uh you know like video creators or audio creators or um there's one that was released the other week called um oh was it animate anything so they oh, yeah. have a uh, video uh, an ai trained on like tiktok dances or the movement that you can then just upload a photo and it applies right. that movement so you've got a moving photo but the really interesting thing for me is that all of these things have APIs. Mm. And so you're able to connect them together in right. a chain. So your idea doesn't have to be just that yeah. one thing anymore. You can like write 
write a few lines in ChatGPT, automatically put that into Levin Labs and get that spoken as an MP3 in any yeah. voice. Automatically put that into like um, HeyGen yeah. and bring that to life as a talking head. And then you know you just the you know there's no limit to the kind mm. of creativity creativity that you can do then. So that's what excites me. And then you can publish it automatically to together in different YouTube ways. And annoy, and annoy exactly, everybody. and fill up YouTube with spam. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what people are doing. Except if you've applied, if you've applied a little bit of creativity to your work for what it's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, like those tugging face things. They're fantastic for creating nightmare fuel, aren't they? But we like that because <laughs> yeah. it's fun. It's yeah. entertaining. That's going back to the strange world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we love Weird that because it creates laughter, and laughter's an mm-hmm. emotion. So therefore, to me. That's actually putting something in the world that is. If you make people laugh, yeah, yeah. and and it's that whole kind of meme thing. Like somebody generated on a there's a tool released earlier in the year called Model Scope text to video. You type anything in, and it made a, a video. And this was very rough and early. And someone did one of the most famous ones: Will Smith eating spaghetti, mm. and it was just really horrific to look at. You know, <laughs> it looked a bit like him, but it was really you know strange. But there's a whole kind of subculture of well it's a whole pop culture of, of, of these things being created you go onto like reddit ai video and it's just you know uh, the pope eating ice cream deadpool eating pizza right. everybody's just riffing on these same things using these lo-fi tools yeah. so it's just another another uh, way of expressing yourself creatively okay. yeah Cool. And I think, David, the thing about what we talked about earlier, the YouTube thing about these videos that are uploaded with the voice, the pictures and the script, is that the reason it's awful is because it's just bland. Yeah. Mm. It's boring. Yeah. That's that's the killer, isn't it? It's just boring. Humans can do boring stuff in the world of advertising yeah. and marketing, but you can also get machines to do boring and the point of the matter is, it goes back to writing. Don't do boring. Yeah. That's the that's the. But it's story, like extra it? boring, but that's hard. It's like extra boring. <laughs> yeah, it's extra boring. It's ambient boring. It's like boring on a new level of boring, but so boring you just don't want to. But it just makes you angry. Which suppose is. But emotion. you know what'll happen though is that you'll have someone will create one that's so boring that people will love it, and it will become like an an instant internet hit. And everybody will watch it yeah. and listen to it and go and look at it because it's so boring. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Well, there is that conference, isn't there, that happens in, uh, it was in London, uh, the boring right. conference where people come along and they do their talks boring about stuff. Those, like paperclip kind of uh, fight, you know, taxonomy right. and stuff like that. And it, it always sells out. Sure it, it always does, sells yeah. massively. I've always wanted to go. To, well, ideally, just to do a really dull talk about something. Incre- <laughs> the 1948 Sussex batting yeah. averages. I love it. Awesome. One of the new questions. So, again, I'm, we're, we're an hour in now, so I should probably think about winding up. But the new question that I'm asking sort of in 2024 is when you deal with AI, are you polite? Do you say please and do you say Sometimes when I talk to Alexa, because I've got one of those things that turn the lights on and off. That's actually a really interesting question. I think it's what I found is, yes, I do some, you know, be polite. But if it gets it wrong the first time, then it it makes you quite (laughs) snappy. Like if it starts playing something you didn't want, it's like, no, stop immediately. Um, And... When it comes to Mid Journey or ChatGPT, no, I would just write, make this. Right. Although, you know, we should be polite to robots, but then we should also be polite to humans. That's, well, that's what I think. Yeah. What about you, Noit? Uh, 
That's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Mid journey. A mid journey prompt mm. or any prompt are tend to be very functional in terms of like, well, not because you're trying to create, but it's, it's, you don't feel like you're talking to a person. But my chat GPT experience yeah. is, I am always, I'm, I'm overly polite <laughs> with chat GPT. Yeah. Well, that's not quite what I was looking yeah, yeah. for. But, but it's always like, I'm you're amazing. To, Please yeah. make it better. Yeah, yeah, that's what I try to do. I try to ingratiate myself <laughs> with the machine. Yeah. <laughs> You're much better than yeah. that. You're just having a... Yeah, I find myself... Weirdly, chat GPT, yeah. my chat GPT conversations are definitely super polite compared with any other prompting I do anywhere else. Is that just because it talks back? Why is that? Talks. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the same thing goes. Alexa. Yeah, Alexa's yeah. a... It's just like having a partner, kind isn't it, of, in the yeah. house? So to get annoyed so with, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, but and that's not right, is it? Like right. you say, that we can't all no, be perfect. No. It's like all interactions. Let's put more <laughs> empathy and more. It's Christmas, so we can talk about love and empathy and charitable kind of thing. We should do it with humans and machines. We should do. We? Embrace yeah. everyone, but it should come from us, right? So we mm. should be that type of person. So it shouldn't matter in my mind anyway. It shouldn't matter who we or what we interact with. We should always be that way because that's who we want to be not because we think that they deserve respect. It's because that's who we want to be. This is the true yeah, always, message always of Christmas. Thank you, even exactly. if it's to a, a, a credit card. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah. The, and the reason I asked this question is because I saw a post and it was, it, the way the lady expressed it was, I thought was very interesting, which is she said, whenever she uses like a co-pilot type tool on github or something like that she's like and she asks it for assistance with a piece of code or something and then it helps her she feels gratitude but she doesn't know what to do with it because if that was a person you would be like oh i'm really grateful thank you for helping me with and you you get this feeling of gratitude that you then want to express to someone and she's like i get this feeling of gratitude but i pretty you know i think that the computer doesn't really care <laughs> and she's like i don't know what to do with it and I thought that was a really, really interesting way of, of saying it. And, you know, and, and so it's, it's now started me on this discussion. So this is, this is going to be my big sort of, you know, thing that I like to talk to everybody about this year. Last year it was, is, is AI male or female and, 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 you know, what would you name it? And that. So every, every, every person who creates an AI tool should program in a response that when someone says, yeah. thank you, they should say something along the lines yeah. of, are oh, you welcome? And then that exactly. takes care of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice and if you don't say thank you, this it gives you a moment. less accurate answer next time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first moment. I'm getting the Christmas. I'm finally getting the Christmas vibe now. You've, you've put that tingle in me, David, awesome. with all this uh, all this love and goodwill. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Any plugs for anything you, you guys are working on at the minute, or anything you want people to go and check out, or can can we do anything for you to help, or do you just want to? Go and drink some mulled wine. We'll go and have a look at our AI okay. event calendar. Yep. That's on our website. And what's the URL uh, for people? Uh, so that's thepeeps.xyz. Yep. And then uh, there's a link to it at the top cool. of the page. That, that's that's full of fun AI weirdness. Okay. <laughs> Norts? Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I, I feel that we shouldn't exploit the airtime <laughs> to do hardcore <laughs> selling. That would seem to go against, I mean, yeah, we, we, we want to put food on everyone's yeah. tables. Um, well, mostly ours or anybody's table. But yeah, go, go and check our website. If you ever feel you need to 
get some assistance or some help. And also, we're very, very relaxed about people just getting in touch and asking us questions about how to do stuff. That's where we start. We we kind of st- we run an event um, four times a year, which is a free event um, in Bristol, which people come along to. And it's always been very much about creating a community of, of like-minded people or people who are machine curious of want to a better right. term. So, yeah, we, we kind of view ourselves as a bit punky okay. and a bit evangelist. But, yeah, start at the website. When's your next event? And see where it takes you. Our next event is on the 24th of January. Jeez, so there you go. Uh, I got it out of you eventually. That is cool, but it's kind of – it's all, most of the – it's all gone. It's been signed okay. up. <laughs> They're already there. We're doing something with, in Web3 on okay. the 16th, but that's a different – that's for a different web – that's for a different podcast, isn't Fine. it, on a different day. But, Brilliant. no, it's – start at the website and see where it takes you, all maybe. Right. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. I know, like I said, it's a couple of days before Christmas and we're all very busy. So I, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this morning. Yeah, let me know if there's anything I can do ever do to help you. And uh, other than that, have a great holiday. You're a gentleman you. and a scholar, sir. It's been a fun conversation. Thank you. The Creatives with AI Podcast. The spiritual home of creatives curious about AI and its role in their future. future.